This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. And I'm your host, Chris. And we are also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables, where we share original short fiction stories about produce and its connection to people, culture, and more. Dimitri Moto has been working at the original Farmer's Market in Los Angeles for more than 45 years. If you were to ever find yourself driving west down 3rd Street around 4 a.m., you'd see him on the corner of Fairfax, tipping his newsboy hat to the clock tower as if greeting an old friend. Like the sun to the earth, Dimitri wakes the market, lighting the lamps and heating the ovens at the pie shop. He's as legendary as the shop itself because of his apple pies. He bakes and stacks them floor to ceiling as the day breaks and the other merchants arrive. He always bakes a few extra pies to pass out samples to the kids that day. Ask his age and he'll reply 81 years young with a wink and a smile that make you compelled to ask him about his life. He will tell you that his mother was Greek and his father Japanese and that they fell in love while eating marinated black cod with miso. They shared a hunger for this world, its land, oceans, produce, people, and secrets. They were chefs and self-proclaimed matchmakers, bringing together all the parts of the world that they loved on each plate culture, flavor, history. Like his parents, Dimitri believed in the power of plating pieces of this earth. People can come together over food. Every morning as the market comes to life, Dimitri is there, serenading the produce as much as the people with his mandolin. Regulars of the market call him Papa Earth because he's nurturing, worldly, and completely in love with Mother Earth. Come lunch, Dimitri will take his time deciding what to eat, closing his eyes and allowing the smell to transcend his other senses and lead him to a decision. Sometimes it's chicken tamales, slathered in a spicy salsa verde with chips and freshly mashed guacamole. Sometimes it's sautéed udon noodles with thinly sliced onions and carrots, cabbage, oyster mushrooms, sesame oil, soy sauce, and shrimp. Sometimes steamed mussels in garlic and white wine, accompanied by a baguette and baked brie. Today, it's a homey gyro sandwich with warm pita bread with onion, tomato, and extra tzatziki sauce, though it's not as good as his mother's. Dimitri takes his lunch and, like always, sits at the community tables in the middle of the market under the green umbrellas, although he chooses a different seat each day. He eats slow and deliberate, savoring each ingredient for its unique, purposeful role. Eyes closed again, this time consenting to the sense of taste as king. His hums, oozing deliciousness, provide the soundtrack to his meals, which, to him, are a journey and an experience. Finally, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri begins telling his stories. He tells them to anyone who's listening, people coming and going, eating and drinking around the tables. Sometimes he even plays his mandolin to accompany the story, emphasize emotions. Kids and adults alike find themselves wrapped up in his world. Some people even find themselves going back for seconds of Dimitri's stories, as much as for the food of the farmer's market. Ever hungry, his audience indulges in the nourishment of his words. Dimitri spoke. 1849, the year of the gold rush in California. 
Big Brother was one of the first of the miners who ventured outside Sacramento along the American River with an axe and a dream and a family. He was only a few months into the dream when it turned to a nightmare. Big Brother felt the days of his life leaving with every short, anguished breath, past swollen gums, breaking free with an ominous whistle through the holes of missing teeth. Scurvy. Big Brother was there the day death first came to that mining camp. Thanks to the disease, death hadn't actually left them since, just paced up and down through the crowds, humming contently, patiently. At least until Little Brother decided to take Big Brother away. Little Brother was only 15 years old, young enough to stand up bravely to death, not knowing much about him, yet. Little Brother had heard rumors of another kind of gold that was coming from further south in Los Angeles. A gold that could nourish and heal a person in ways real gold could not, despite promises. A gold that was said to be a gift from Mother Earth that could protect a person from death a little while longer. It's more than a rumor, Big Brother told Little Brother as he opened his palm. Between the unhealed scabs and slow bleeding cuts rested an orange rind, with the seeds still clung to it in bits of pith. Smell, Big Brother commanded. Little Brother did. What do you feel? Big Brother asked. You mean, what do I smell? No, what do you feel? Big Brother asked again as he closed his eyes and ran the orange rind under his own nose before holding it out again, eyes still closed, a peaceful, pursed smile on his chapped lips. Little Brother followed the lead. The tingling, sweet scent filled his nostrils. I feel warm. Me too, Big Brother winked. In that moment, Little Brother saw life in Big Brother that he hadn't seen for weeks. He stood hurriedly, helping Big Brother to his feet. Where are we going? Big Brother asked softly, looking over his shoulder, seeing death pacing a little closer than the day before. It's more than just a rumor, Little Brother said, more so to himself. But Death heard it and lifted his head to watch Little Brother pack up the wagon with Big Brother under the cover. Where are we going? Big Brother asked again as they started their journey. To William Wolfskill's orchard. Wolfskill? In Los Angeles? I've heard them talk about him, the granddaddy of Citrus. If he even... if he... Big Brother's voice trailed off as he lost control of his body, laying itself down, outstretched toward the back of the wagon, his hand flopping off the back ledge just inches from Death's fingertips. I'll see you in Los Angeles, Death whispered to Big Brother, waving slowly, still walking in pursuit of their wagon but falling back ever slightly. Little Brother gave a firm kick with his heels to the horse and off they went into the night. Little Brother lost track of the time they'd spent on the trail, but whenever he felt discouraged, he'd pull the orange rind from his pocket, rubbing the slightly pebbled surface with his thumb, and holding it to his nose to excavate any hint of its fruity, fresh, therapeutic scent. Each time he did so, he'd instinctively look back at Big Brother, making sure he was still there, sleeping, dreaming. Is it real? Little Brother mumbled through his cracked, dry lips, looking ahead to a hazy vision. Big, bushy green trees lined the horizon, spaced equally apart, like soldiers at the forefront of a new world. As they got closer, Little Brother could see that each tree was jeweled with vibrant orange globes. A warm breeze carried a sweet smell in a wave that washed over the brother's wagon. The feathery fragrance tickled the nose of Big Brother, stirring him from his sleep. Little Brother stopped the wagon a short distance away from the small, single-story wooden house that was nestled at the front of the orchard. Little Brother helped Big Brother out of the wagon, and the two of them, arms locked around each other's necks, stood in awe. The scene was calm, peaceful, and colorful, 
So unlike anything Big Brother had seen, he'd gotten so used to the dark mines, it could hardly imagine any other color but gold. Is it a dream? Big Brother asked with a smile. Yeah, it sure is, Little Brother said. Despite the warmth of the California sun, Little Brother felt a slight chill dance up the top of his spine. He turned over his shoulder, and there in the distance was Death. Death had stopped in several towns along the journey, and Little Brother wouldn't see him for days or even weeks at a time. He almost forgot how persistent Death could be. He always managed to catch up. Sit, Little Brother said as he brought Big Brother back to the edge of the wagon. Little Brother grabbed Big Brother's hand and looked him deep in the eye. I'll be back soon. As Little Brother ran off toward the orchard, Big Brother looked down to his own palm and saw the orange rind. He smiled, closed his fingers around the rind, and gripped it so tight that his knuckles went pale, as if he were trying to impart his own body oils into the rind, or maybe the orange into his own skin. I'll be here, Big Brother said aloud. Deciding he didn't have time for introductions and pleasantries, Little Brother ran around the house straight into the trees of the orchard. He halted abruptly, his body flinging forward. He caught himself with his forearms on his knees, hunched over, head hung, catching his breath. He stood up, still breathing a little heavy, and looked down the row in front of him. He was overcome with a sublime sensation as the path before him seemed endless. He walked a little further down it, seeing new trees emerge at the end of his sight, but stopped again. The trees would continue that way whether or not he did. They were there, even though he couldn't see them. For a brief moment, Little Brother thought about what else existed in this world without his sense of it, feeling as though he could float out of his own skin but was suddenly grounded back into the soles of his shoes when he was overcome with the acidic tingle in his nose. That smell, warm, comforting. Brother, he whispered. Little brother turned to the trees and began plucking their fruit, apologizing repeatedly. With an armful cradled against his chest and tucked in under his chin, he backed up, ready to run to Big Brother's aid, imagining death just feet away from their wagon, and then bam! Little brother turned and ran right into a man standing behind him, dropping his bundle of gold, each one hitting the ground with a deep thud like knocks on a door. Little Brother's eyes fell to the ground and then slowly crawled up the outline of the man until they met with his gaze. Little Brother started again, shaking his head. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You trying to steal from me, son? Oh my. You? Are you? William. Granddaddy? What was that? Oh, um, um, Wolfskill? Yes, and you might be? Please, my brother, he's sick. I need to, death is here. He's here. He's going to take my brother. Please. Wolfskill saw the tears building up in little brother's eyes. Go. Thank you. Thank you. Little brother grabbed some of the spilled oranges with his trembling hands and off he went, unaware that he was already too late. As he approached the wagon, a sinking feeling came over him waiting down his body and slowing his run to a walk. He came around the corner to the back of the wagon, where the orange rind sat in Big Brother's place. Little Brother looked up, and off in the distance he saw Death walking away, arm in arm with Big Brother. Instead of dropping the oranges, Little Brother clung to them tighter, letting a light stream of tears fall down his cheek, like dewdrops down the vein of a leaf. I'm sorry. Why? Little Brother jumped at the unexpected voice behind him. It was Wolfskill. I couldn't beat him, and he took my brother. No one can. Well, I know that. I mean, I guess no one beats death in the very end anyway. I just thought I... 
I meant no one can take him from you. Little brother tilted his head, eyebrows lifted like a puppy dog begging for a treat. Come. Wolfskill grabbed the orange rind with the seeds still clinging to it and escorted little brother, oranges still cradled in arm, back to the orchard. Wolfskill had little brother drop the oranges in a basket near the house before walking him a little further down the line of trees. They stopped at a slight gap in the row, and Wolfskill examined the fruit of all the trees nearby to pick the best orange he could find. I call these Valencia oranges, Wolfskill said as he ran his fingertips over the slightly pebbled yet smooth skin of the fruit, as if brushing his hand against the cheek of his own child. Named for Valencia, Spain, of course, which is known for its sweetest oranges. I've not been there, though. I got my first seedlings from the San Gabriel Mission back in 1840. I was told the California missions are self-sufficient, which explains their incredible gardens. Can you believe it? They've been growing citrus since 1769. But they don't sell them. Their crops, I mean. I'm the only one who, can, who has hybridized these oranges to sell commercially. The granddaddy of citrus, little brother said meekly. Ha! Okay, yeah, sure. I guess that's one way to put it. But you know what I love about this fruit? Little brother shook his head. It brings people together. Connects us to one another and to this earth. The smell. Wolfskill took a deep, powerful inhale with his nose pressed against the orange in his hand. It can take you to different places. If I close my eyes. He did so and took another breath of the acidic yet sugary citrus smell. I'm in Valencia, walking through an endless orchard of the most perfect, beautiful oranges you could ever see. Little brother blinked. Is this a dream? Wolfskill smiled. It can even bring you to people. He dug his thumbnail into the thick rind of the orange and peeled it back, juice running down the side of his hand as he pulled a piece from the hole and extended it to Little Brother. Little Brother held it in his open hand and looked at Wolfskill, who motioned toward the fruit. Little Brother brought it to his nose and inhaled. What do you feel? Wolfskill asked. Warm. And what do you see? Tears billowed over the corner of Little Brother's eyes, down to the creases in his cheeks from his open mouth smile. I see my brother. Together, Wolfskill and Little Brother planted the seed from the rind that the brothers had brought with them on their journey. Little Brother worked on the orchard with Wolfskill, watching his brother's tree grow until eventually grafting it to start his own orchard in what is now Valencia, California. Little Brother was sure to teach the people he came across, other farmers, customers, and everyone else in between, about the magic of produce, same as Wolfskill had taught him. While Wolfskill also dabbled in grapes for producing wine, Little Brother's farm was strictly for oranges, both Valencia and naval varieties. In 1893, Little Brother pioneered efforts to organize individual citrus growers in California in order to better control their marketing. They formed the Southern California Fruit Exchange, which was the first agricultural industry in the United States to market a fresh commodity. In 1909, their advertising agency suggested that they needed a trademark for advertising, and hence Sunkist was born. Throughout his life, Little Brother would see death pacing around, same as he'd done before. But Little Brother wouldn't run or hide. He'd only wave, maybe even wink. Death didn't wave back until 1910, when he came to Little Brother in his sleep. It's nice to finally meet you, Death whispered. Little Brother opened his eyes and smiled. You too, Little Brother said. And they walked away, hand in hand, through Little Brother's orchard, into the night. The end.
Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specially Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time.